Welcome to the next podcast for millinery.info. In this episode, we're visiting Hatworks, the Stockport Hat Museum. We're going to speak with Bronwyn Simpson, who is the museum's officer, have a tour of some of the machinery and also the gallery. We hope you enjoy this episode. Let's talk Hatworks. So Hatworks is now about 20 years old. Hatworks is in um, a building that was originally a hat factory and uh, it was renovated and machines were salvaged from factories around Stockport because Stockport was one of the biggest hatting producers in the world um, of fur felt. The visitor experience has really changed very little in that time. So um, people can come and they can have a guided tour and then they can uh, visit the gallery of hats where they can see uh, our hat collection. And really where I think uh, we, we have a large hat collection, a lot of which has not been documented yet. So we have about 700 hats that we know of, 300 of those are on display, uh, the rest are in storage and then we have lots of other boxes that we have just received funding for, uh, for somebody to go through all the boxes and document what we have. So we're at a very exciting crossroads really, where we're discovering new hats all the time. Some really, really good quality donations that were made maybe 20 years ago when the museum first opened. So uh, our plan is that we will apply for funding to completely rethink how we tell the story of hatting and hat making in Stockport and how that relates to millinery and what milliners and hat makers are doing now. Because I think that that's something that is missing in the current narrative within mm -hmm. the museum. It's wonderful. And what does your role involve at the museum? I manage the museum assistants. I look after the social media uh, accounts for the museum. I coordinate the adult learning programme of millinery courses. I get involved in things like London Hat Week and I also am uh, heading up the redisplay of the collection. So I'm researching stories and themes and uh, hats for the redisplay project. And we're looking at how we can engage people and through projects, community projects, whereby they can tell us their stories and tell us how, we, how they think we should be telling the story of hat making here. We're building our resources for milliners as well. So we've, um, in the last, well, for... It was just last March we opened our blocking room um, where milliners can come and use our hat blocks. Uh, we've got a special collection. We don't just, you know, open up any, uh, we don't make any of our hat blocks, blocks available for, for blocking, but we have a special collection that have been identified um, uh, for handling. And milliners can come and book, book those blocks out for and book the room for the day, use the room. And that's a really been a really interesting uh, way for milliners and hat makers to socialise and get together and share skills in a, in a workspace and uh, people really enjoy doing that as well. That's been good, that's been a recent development and um, we just continue to grow our courses as well. So who do you find comes to the classes and is visiting the museum? People come from all over and um, we've had people from mainly from the UK um, for our millinery courses, uh, so but uh, some uh, from Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, people will come for a weekend away, and uh, it's a really 
fantastic opportunity to totally immerse yourself away from home, away from housework, away from the family, um, immerse yourself in, in your passion. So when you receive a donation, what's the process for that? Can someone just send you a hat to donate to the museum or is there an acquisition process or how does that happen? There is an acquisition process. So, <laughs> I mean, people very kindly do send us hats in the post, <laughs> but it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a nightmare to be honest, yes. um, because we do have paperwork that we fill in. Um, and we're we're being very selective as well about what we collect mm -hmm. because we need to be um, we've got a responsibility uh, to be selective and we don't want to uh, create lots of repetition so if we've got uh, a lot of something already we we will say uh, you know thank you very much but uh, you know we've actually got quite a lot of, of that already mm -hmm. people send us photographs by email that's usually what happens and say, you know, I, I've got this, this hat or this collection of hats that belonged to my mother or belonged to somebody or, you know, and the more information we have about the hats themselves, the, the better, the more valuable they are. Um, so it's that real social history uh, that makes them, that's the story behind the hat that really makes them very precious. And when you're developing um, a new display, how frequently do those change over and what, what are you looking to showcase in those? Well, that these are all the things um, that we'll be looking at for our redisplay. Museums tend to, in the past, have tended not to change their permanent displays very often. We are we have been adding things in quite a bit, so when we get a, a, a really fantastic new hat, we will put it into um, our fantastic hats case you know, as you come onto the gallery floor. We've also been returning long-term loans as well. So that's creating space for new displays. The current display on the gallery floor is by theme. So um, a case, for example, may look at uh, materials, the use of materials. But the, the thing is within millinery, that has changed so much since that case went in. Feeling very excited by the prospect of redoing a, a materials case when you think of all the amazing new techniques and materials that, uh, that milliners are using now yes. um, compared to 20 years ago. And so the um, museum's supported by the Stockport Council, is that the main source of um, support or is it yes. external as well? Uh, we are funded through Stockport Council but for projects like this redisplay one we'll be applying to for external funding. Do you get to, are you the person that gets to go through these boxes and catalogue? I have been cataloguing this year um, whenever I can because that's really, I mean that's something that I love to do and I, it's going to be necessary for me to know what's there um, if I'm going to be writing interpretation and planning mm -hmm. cases. We've got money now for uh, another assistant to come and help with the cataloging. And how many people are employed at Hatworks at the moment? Not very many. <laughs> so I'm the only officer based there now with a team of museum assistants, part-time museum assistants. So we'll have, you know, three three of them on site anytime. We do have an education officer as well who's shared between us and Bramall Hall. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, we've, we've got, um, that's where our uh, family learning sessions come from and our baby sessions. I think that I would like to encourage as many milliners as possible to engage in the, in the kind of history of of hat making, whether that is, you know, Stockport's history of mass production, or I think there's a lot to be learned from all of these different sectors. 
within hat making. So I think that it's it's a wonderful thing to do for to come and to find out how how your hoods are made. Have a look at the the hand tools and the kind of the techniques that were being used um, at that kind of mass production side of things. Stockport isn't producing hats in the way it was anymore. Mm -hmm. um, does the museum see a revival in this or it's just kind of acknowledging a trade that once supported the local area? I think that there's a definite commitment to getting people making hats again and it, it helps people engage with the heritage of the town and their own history uh, by getting involved and learning how to make hats yourself and the, it is working as well. Uh, our millinery course programme has, we've, we now have three students who have come through our programme who are based in Stockport and are all running their own businesses now, which is, you know, and that's in three years. We only started doing courses three years ago. So I think that that's, uh, there's definite interest and uh, commitment to wanting um, to explore Stockport's hatting heritage but also get people making hats again. With the Wear a Hat Day that happened um, on Thursday and Friday here in Stockport, it's that's something that we only really started last year and that will get bit bigger and bigger and bigger to support brain tumour research. It's a campaign that we should be supporting in Stockport a lot because, you know, because of our hatting history. It has sparked a lot of interest in hat wearing, in supporting the charity. If someone's coming for the first time, what mm -hmm. do they get to see when they come to the museum? Well, I always like to start with the early days, of course, when it was a, a manual task. I yeah. usually talk about the, uh, how much hard work it was initially manually, and then move through into the, the, the machine floor, and then we'll, they, they see that as a, a more mechanised, even though, for different reasons, it was just as hard. There's machineries here on display. What kind of machines can people see? Initially, we start here with the, as a, what they call the settler, which actually felts the, makes the, uh, the felted hoods firmer so you can handle them without them tearing so much. Then there's what they call the multi-roller, which is a uh, kind of... Uh, uh, well, it actually beats the felt to make it shrink and harden into a hood. Uh, that particular one was quite difficult to use because of the noise it produced was, was quite immense. Um, 130 decibels was, uh, was quite common. So if you want a kind of analogy for that, if you listen to the engine at the airport, then that's, that's this kind of sound it produced. It's that loud. If we actually refurbished the machine so we could use it, it would be illegal because of the health and safety regulations that are in place now. So the next then, there's another machine called the Stumping Roller. Lovely name. This is again another shrinking uh, device. Actually shrinks the hoods down the final few inches, centimetres, so they're actually exactly the right size. And then we move on to the uh, stiffening stage, which is when it, uh, we actually stiffen the hats. Previous to that you had um, water-based stiffening agents, but they're now using shellac. Uh, Water-based stiffening agents of course are problematic, I'm sure you probably know. If you had a, a hat in the, which stiffened with, uh, let's say, gum arabic mixed with water was popular in the 1700s, you got caught in a rainstorm, the spectacular weather having today, it would actually lose its shape and start to collapse. So another problem for gentlemen, particularly in the early 1700s, uh, if it was hot and humid in the summer, which we don't often get around here, um, most gentlemen wore wigs. So if you actually took your hat off to a lady, as you're required to do in hot weather, nine times out of ten, the wig stayed in the hat. Um, with shellac, of course, that's, uh, that solved that problem. Uh, there's an 
silly, it's a, a nice material to use. Um, synthetic ones actually spoil the finish. Um, but the uh, it's, uh, shellaki actually maintains the nap and the inside and outside of the hood. Synthetics actually destroy it, it makes it look something like um, fiberglass yeah. in the inside. So they only apply synthetics to the inside of the hood to stiffen it. After that, we have shaping. There's blocking machines there. Again, somewhat difficult to, to use initially. Um, hand blocking was prevalent before the machinery, that was another problem. Stockport blockers used to theme the hoods, grasp them with their bare hands, and then shape them over wooden blocks. Now, if you're doing that, you're going to get your hands scalded. Quite a problem. Um, so, what they had was two buckets of water either side, and they would plunge their hands into the water to cool them. As a consequence, you don't know how to do that, you have to start an apprenticeship. So, the young boys of 14 actually were scalded quite badly. So stockpile blockers were quite well known for the scar tissue on their hands. Not only that, actually wore away all the fingerprints. Um, blocking machines then, that was the, then the mechanised, solved all that problem. You didn't have to handle the hood, the machine did all the work. Yeah. And so do um, the machines still function? Uh, some do. Sadly, the, most of the, say, the, the blocking machinery and the, and the shrinking machinery, we, can't, we couldn't run anywhere because they're so loud. Some of the others uh, still function. We do run them occasionally for, for tours. The uh, fur farmer, particularly, say so you would form a hood by hand takes a long time. But with the uh, an average, say in the old planking kettle days, when you did it by hand, you could make two hoods in 12 hours. The fur farmer, you can actually produce one hood every 14 seconds, which is somewhat different. How did the museum have to come to have these machines? I think by most by donation. Um, originally we were in a, another hat factory called Battersby's. Uh, that was a hat factory that was uh, prevalent mostly in the 1930s. Um, from there we moved here in 2000. So most of these machines I think come from Christie's because they, they are labelled with their name. And has this space always been a hat factory? What's the history of the no, space? Uh, the, the mill began life as a cotton mill in the 1820s. It became a hat factory in the 1890s. Um, a company called Ward Brothers. Now, it was supposed to be run by two brothers, but in reality it was actually run by their sister. Because in the 1890s you didn't actually admit to the fact that a woman was running the business, it was always the, the, the men up in the front. So they were just the front. So she actually did all the work. Wonderful. And when did they cease production of hats in Stockport? In Stockport, the last company was Christie's. It closed its doors in 1997. No, it didn't close down, they just import the hoods from abroad now. So they're still in business. Uh, I think they have a, a, a logistics base in Yorkshire, Barnsley, I think. Uh, but they do have a shop in London, I think St James's Street, actually. It's not far away from Lock and Co. What are people most surprised by when they come to the museum? Probably the, the, the speed of which they can actually produce hoods. When they go through the, the early days, the cottage industry days, uh, they're quite surprised by the fact that it takes 12 hours to produce two hoods. They're actually quite, again, surprised when it actually so much quicker, one every 14 seconds. So how do you pick what's going in the Fantastic Hats section? Really, it's just kind of our best, you know, if we get a new donation that's really fantastic that we want to put out straight away, it can, it can go in here. Yeah. Um, we can, we've got quite a lot of flexibility with this case in terms of changing it quite, quite often, whereas some of the other cases are part of, you know, they, they have interpretation that um, restrict 
what you can put in. So do you keep the boxes that the hats come in as well? Yes, so we will We will do if they're in good condition and if they're part of, you know, if we're sure that they actually belong together. Yeah. Sometimes they don't, so, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we will do. We'll keep, we'll keep all the, the kind of the ephemera associated with that hat. So the receipt, sometimes you get, it's real joy when you open a box up and you've got the receipt um, in, in there as well. Are most of the hats that are gifted ones that have been worn or a mill has donated them directly? It's a whole collection, a whole you know variety of, of things. So sometimes they're part of, a, you know, a milliner will donate a hat that they've made, um, you know, as part of a body of work. Sometimes we have milliners who donate hats from their own personal collection, mm-hmm. um, work of other milliners. Um, that's happened quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's just uh, family and friends who are donating hats um, that they're, you know, that, that, that a family member wore. What's your favourite one? That's a very, very hard <laughs> question. That's and a cruel question, I think probably. it changes. I think it changes all the time. One that I took to London Hat Week, and it's the Petersham... It's completely um, constructed of Petersham Nautilus. Oh. It was an Edward Mann hat uh, from the ni- probably the 1950s. Is what you're working on now kind of the first time it's really been reviewed and revisited since it opened? Pretty much. Some cases have been put in, you know, relatively recently. So, for example, the for King and Country military hats. That one uh, was one that went in afterwards. But I mean, still, you're talking maybe ten years ago now. So, what's the oldest piece you have in the collection? I think it's probably a straw bonnet um, from the 1800s, which isn't on display. And it said it was made by um, Henry Heath for Queen Victoria. Do you do loans between other museums of your pieces? We have done, yes, in the past. Um, um, We've had loans here as well, so uh, as part of our temporary exhibition programme. And who's the museum, I guess, aimed at? Who, who's, who's welcome? Everyone's welcome. Absolutely. So who's, who's Absolutely everybody is welcome. We want to be able to showcase Stockport's Hatting heritage for people who worked in the industry, for people whose families worked in the industry, uh, for people from the town, from the surrounding area, but then also further afield as well. We've got a unique history here that needs to be shared. And, and a collection to reflect that as well. We are working hard on our resources for milliners with our uh, open blocking sessions and our blocking room and our millinery courses. And um, We want to encourage as many people as possible to wear hats, uh, make hats, and generally find out more about hats. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Hatworks. If you're interested in finding out more about the museum, please head to their website. Stockport's a beautiful town and the museum is working at honouring its hatting history. We'd like to thank our Patreon supporters for this podcast, Louise MacDonald Milliner and the Essential Hat who run the Mimsy Convention and Competition. If you're interested in becoming a supporter of this podcast, head to our Patreon link. You can find out about the best way to support this podcast. We really enjoy bringing you these podcasts and that's one way that you can help us continue to do so. We hope you have a wonderful day making hats. Please check out our previous episodes. There's a wonderful collection to keep you company if you haven't had a chance to listen to them yet. 
Thank you again for joining us. We look forward to bringing you another episode soon.